0: Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Anyway, today I'm talking about how to respond to God, which is a really interesting question. How do we actually respond to God? You know, when God shows up, how, how do we deal with that? How, how do we respond to the creator of the universe? And, and I actually want to shine a bit of a spotlight on uh, on Mary today. And it's in the context of things that happened uh, around the time of Jesus' birth. But I, I love the fact that Mary, in her response, gives us some really timeless keys of how we approach God and and, and when we respond to God, what we need to do. And so I want to unpack that a little bit this morning from a really familiar story to many of us that we hear at this time of year from Luke 1 and 26. This is the birth of Jesus foretold in the sixth month. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. In verse 34, here's Mary's response. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. We need to understand that the times into which Jesus was born were actually very dark spiritual times. Not unlike the times that we live in today. They were very dark spiritual times. It had been 400 years since the last Old Testament prophet had recorded God's words. There was a huge amount of corruption in the then civilized world. On the surface, uh, with the influence of Rome and the Roman culture, uh, things seemed to be very, very progressive. The Romans, no question, were absolutely transforming the landscape Uh, of of anywhere that they influenced. The Romans were really leading the charge in the growing development and progressive nature of the civilized world. They were far ahead of their times in things like civil engineering and urban planning and uh, things like um, water and sanitation incredibly uh, ahead of their times. If you've ever visited anywhere in the Roman world, any ancient Roman site, and you see a lot of that in Israel, it is absolutely astounding what these guys accomplished. So on one hand, uh, they are incredibly progressive and advanced. But on another hand, they were totally morally bankrupt because Rome and all this Roman ingenuity was actually established on a foundation of Greek philosophy and Greek mythology. We don't actually have Time to go into any great detail at how corrupt and depraved Roman culture was. And there's kids in the room, so it wouldn't be appropriate anyway. But these guys were seriously messed up. We think today the world's in a mess morally. It was equally so or more so in the times in which Jesus was born. Morally, they were so bankrupt. Morally, they were, they were just in an incredible darkness. So Jesus is born into a time of uh, great progression uh, technologically. But here there is this absolute decay. Jesus born into this time of spiritual confusion and spiritual darkness and again, So much like the times that you and I live in. Now, guys, this is a bit of a side note today. But I want to encourage you that as God's people, let us not be found guilty of playing into the fear and negativity of so many well-meaning but misguided Christians, particularly on social media, who do nothing but promote the idea that the world is totally evil and corrupt. Yes, there is part, parts of the world, there is a part of our, our culture that we have to contend with that can be pretty dark and ugly. But this idea that, Everybody is against me. As a Christian, everybody is against me. Or everybody is against the church. And we've just got to kind of do the best that we can to just hang on until Jesus comes back. And that's the mentality. It's an escapist mentality. And we've got to guard ourselves against that. Friends, the world is God's creation. It still is and it evermore shall be. And the world is a place of great beauty depending on where you're looking. There is beauty in the world. There is excellence in the world. And if you can't see that, friends, then you're looking in the wrong place. And I've given you this challenge many times before. But if you're finding yourself living with some kind of escapist, negative mentality about the world, and I can't wait until Jesus comes back and I'm just hanging on by the skin of my teeth until he does, you've got to ask yourself, what is fueling that negativity? And For some of us, the best exercise we can do is switch off the TV, get off social media and go for a walk on a beach or in a mountain and just breathe in God again. And further than that, if you don't like the world the way it is, what are you actually doing to change it? Because that's what it looks like to live on mission for God. That's what He's called us to do. You're not born by accident. You're born in the wonderful and intricate plan of God into such a time and place as this. You're not an accident. You're a part of God's design. And part of God's design is that your life would make a difference for the glory of God. And I'm pumped up because I've just come back from a conference with 500 pastors who are committed to doing that. Making a difference in their cultural context, in their time for the glory of God, and to celebrate the fruit of that was so incredibly inspiring. And to hear the sacrifices that they are making personally to see their communities transform for the glory of God is inspiring. I find it deeply challenging. And I come away from something like that going, oh, God, I've got to do more. I've got to do more. I've got to do more. Not that it's about works, not that it's about trying to impress God, but it's God, I want to fully meet the agenda that you have for my life. I want to fully engage in what you have given me to do on the face of this planet. And not only that, but there is a lot to be celebrated. There is a lot that we can just soak in and worship God for who he is. And as I've said before, we live in one of the best places in the world. In fact, what was that thing? Did you saw that thing where... Um, Tasmania has been voted the number 1 tourist destination in the world or something by some I don't know, some obscure group I'm sure probably a group of Tasmania has decided that but anyway we live in a place where we can connect with God so easily and so I encourage you don't disconnect don't 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 draw back one of my favorite sayings is these may not be the best of times they might not be the worst of times but they're the only times we've got And to say, God, here I am, use me. So how do we respond to God when he taps us on the shoulder? You see, right through the Gospel of Matthew, there's a repeated phrase from Jesus who says the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. And then he goes on often to give a parable illustrating what the kingdom of God is like. And when he's talking about the kingdom of God, he's not talking about the place we go when we die. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God established now on the earth in the way that you and I live our lives for the glory of God. What that looks like. And so we're called to live on mission. We're not called to escape. We're called to engage. So the question we need to ask is what am I doing now to engage in God's kingdom work now? For us corporately, what are we doing as a church to influence the culture of this part of the world, the northwest coast of Tasmania? And at Christmas, as we focus on the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, I want to encourage you. Let's shift our thinking and not from that place of pessimism and negativity, look at the world and go, well, look what the world has come to. But rather through the eyes of faith, say, look at what has come into the world. Because in Jesus, we have the good news, the gospel. Gospel means good news. So what do we do when God shows up back to the message? How did Mary respond when God showed up? Let's learn from this this morning. And as Rebecca so beautifully um, illustrated in her communion message, just the simplicity and the humility of of the the Christmas setting is, is incredible. Here is Mary, this young teenager, and when God chose Mary, He then reveals His plan to her. And the way she responded when God gave her that revelation is an incredible lesson. Because again, when God calls us, we've got to know how to respond. And the first thing I notice about how Mary responded to God, she just responded in incredible humility. Luke 1 and 38, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered may it be to me as you have said great quote that I, I love and it impacted me when I first heard it but it goes like this humility is not denying your strengths it's acknowledging your weaknesses and sometimes we can put on a false humility which is not a pretty thing But Mary's humility was so genuine, so pure, and so beautiful. Humility is actually about how we see ourselves. And she just saw herself in that moment as God's servant. It's like, God, you're revealing this ultimate plan to this young teenage girl. And she's just like, well, God, I'm just your servant. May it be to me as you have said. And I think that's one of the reasons why God chose Mary. He knew her humility. It's really interesting. When God appears to people, when God taps us on the shoulder, when God calls us to do something significant for him, I don't think he ever appears to proud people. He doesn't use proud people to do significant things for him because proud people get in the way of what God wants to do. Luke 14 and 11, in fact, says, For all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Or Romans 12 and 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And so when God picks a town for Jesus to be born in, he chooses this small little village of Bethlehem in a stable. That's the setting. You don't get much more humble than that. When the angels announced Jesus birth it wasn't to Herod in the palace it was to a bunch of lowly shepherds in a field again an incredibly humble setting and when he needed someone to bear his son he chooses this young humble girl from Nazareth friends God hasn't changed He's still looking to do great things through people who might actually seem very, very small in their own eyes. 1 Peter 5 and 5, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Here's a really interesting thing. Do you know one of the signs of spiritual growth and maturity is humility, a growing humility. The Apostle Paul, who we know wrote much of the New Testament, says of himself in 1 Corinthians 15 and 9, I'm the least of the apostles. Ephesians 3 and 8, I'm the very least of all the saints. 1 Timothy 1 and 15, I'm the foremost of sinners. And it's interesting as Paul matured, he thought less of himself. And so as we grow and mature in faith, one of the signs of that maturity should be an increasing humility. And I love the fact, and you can be really, really confident of this, that every single leader in this church, they have launched into a position, not from a place of, well, I'm glad somebody asked me because I've been waiting because I know that that's what God has for me and I'm really confident that I can do that. Anytime somebody has been tapped on the shoulder or prompted by God, it's been the opposite. It's like, really, me? Okay, that's scares the life out of me but if that's what God wants for me I'm willing to walk into that and every single significant leadership position in the life of the church has been established from that position of humility acknowledging okay God I'm not going to draw back from this and it scares me but God I'm going to trust you and if you're calling me I trust you to equip me and he does and I love that that can be said of any one of our leaders in the life of this church one uh, Luke 138 I am the Lord's servant may it be to me as you have said so that's the first uh, point that we learn from Mary's response to God so we ask ourselves the question how do I respond to God respond to God with humility the second thing we see in Mary's response is that was a great faith element Luke one and thirty nine. At that time, Mary got ready, <coughs> hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. When she entered Zechariah's home and greeted uh, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear." But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears the baby in my womb leapt for joy Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished Did you get that last sentence Blessed is she who has what believed that what the Lord has said will be accomplished And that's something so significant that we see in this young girl, Mary. She had incredible faith. And you've got to think about that. We're so familiar with the story. We take so much of this for granted. She believed she was going to have a baby even though she was an unmarried teenager. That's crazy. Why? Because God said it. And friends, this is the attitude that God is looking for. In spite of what circumstances say, in spite of what I perceive my own situation or my own personal inabilities or limitations, if God says it in faith, I must believe it. Friends, we must trust who God is and we must believe what God says. That's faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 reminds us and without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, this is actually a huge stumbling block for many people uh, when it comes to God. They say, well, I I don't know. I don't know about God. Really, I've got to see it to believe it. And that's actually the opposite position of faith. Doubt says... Things have to be seen to be believed. Faith, the opposite, actually says some things have got to be believed in order for them to be seen. And Mary believed that what the Lord said would actually happen, and it did. And friends, you and I got to respond the same way. We respond to God with faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when God shows up, friends, we respond, number one, with humility. We respond, number two, with faith. And then number three, we respond with praise. What do I mean by that? Luke 1 and 46, and Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. This is amazing, and this is an incredible faith response. It's not well. Okay, God, let's. Uh, you've told me this stuff, so uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, let's see if it works out. No, she sings this song of praise, and it's almost a prophetic praise because she's praising God in a way that it's already happened. Friends, does our attitude sometimes get in the way of our faith? I'll ask a question and you can ask yourself this question. How do I respond when I face a challenge? How do I respond when something unexpected just happens in life and stuff happens in life? I know there is a a part of our humanness that causes us to begin to feel very sorry for ourselves and have a little bit of a pity party and get a little bit disconnected and a little bit down in the mouth. Do we doubt God in those moments? Do we question God in those moments saying, God, this, this stuff's not supposed to happen. I'm a faithful follower. Do we come to God with an attitude because of that? Or do we maintain a really confident faith that says, this hurts, I didn't see this coming. But I know God did see this coming. I know this might overwhelm me right now, but I know there's something within me that knows this does not overwhelm God. God is not threatened by this right now. And faith doesn't throw a pity party and say, Woe is me. Faith says, God is bigger than this. God is bigger than this. And it might not be a trial or or, or, or a situation. Maybe it's that daunting feeling when we know God is calling us to something. And it seems too big, it seems an impossibility. We don't see it in ourselves. I don't see it in me, but maybe God does. And what's the response? Praise God. When things are going against us, when we face a problem, when we face an unexpected situation, I praise God. When God's calling us to step out in faith and do something significant for Him, I praise God. I'll believe it and I'll step up to the task, not confident in my ability, but confident in the one who has called me. And it's exactly what Mary's response was. Instead of doubting, instead of being fearful, Mary was filled with praise. And friends, here's the thing for us, for those who are followers of Jesus this morning. If that's not our response in any situation in life, every situation in life, then we need to do some adjustments so that praise can begin to become our default response no matter what we face. It might feel a little bit unnatural at first, but we need to develop the habit. Because I think we can read between the lines a bit and realize that praise in this context for Mary was not some kind of false expression that she just mustered up in the moment. It was just an automatic response. Shows something about her faith. Praise came to her incredibly naturally because it comes naturally when you live a lifestyle of praise. I'm going to ask the team to come back. A lot of people get a bit confused about this stuff. A lot of Christians get a bit confused about this stuff. And they think, well, you've got to pray to God when things are going bad. And then you praise God when things are going good. Friends, the two are not mutually exclusive. We need to develop a constant attitude of both prayer and praise in every aspect of our life in all circumstances. We are supposed to pray and praise all the time at the same time. So friends, what do we do when God shows up? How do we respond to God? Well, three things we learn from Mary. We respond in humility. We respond in faith. And we respond with praise. And I really, really encourage you in the times in which we live. Our world needs people who are filled with those three things. Humility, faith and praise. As we choose to follow God and as a church family, we follow God together. We spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We do that. And may we be a people filled with humility, filled with faith, filled with praise. Maybe this morning some of us need to change how we respond to God. Maybe there's a shift that's got to go on. Particularly if you're doing it tough right now. Where we look to God And say, God, I praise you. I honor you. I thank you. That whatever I'm going through right now, while it causes me anguish and pain and anxiety, God, I'm not going to let that overwhelm me, Lord, because I want to cast all of that at the feet of Jesus so that He might carry that burden. Give me the wisdom, give me the faith to to walk through whatever it is that you've got to walk through right now. But to praise God and say, God, I know that it's not bigger than you. And I choose to magnify you, not magnify my problem. Or again, if you're wrestling with obedience in some area, you're thinking God's calling me, God's calling me, I'm resisting, I'm resisting. Come back to these three points. God, i just got to come before you humbly. Not denying my strengths, acknowledging my weaknesses. Come before you in humility, but come before you in faith. Not faith in me, but faith in the one who is calling me. And if He's called you, He will give you what you need to fulfill the task and the purpose for which He's called you. And in the light of that knowledge, we just praise Him. God, I go into this praising you. I go into uncertainty praising you. I go into insecurity, praising you. I face trials, praising you. I navigate problems, praising you.